Catherine Coley, the CEO of Binance US, is my guest on Diva on the Block today. She's a 30-year-old cool girl from Florida who's now conquering the crypto world and is probably one of my most favorite guests on the show so far. I know, I've had the opportunity to interview some of the coolest, weirdest, and sometimes most controversial people in blockchain from the dickening John McAfee to Cardano's Charles Huskinson to the Bachelor in Paradise star Chris Bukowski, among so many others. But my interview with Catherine Coley was the one that I personally had the most fun at and identified with. Even though Catherine and I came from completely different backgrounds, we ended up having a ton in common. We both started our finance career in the foreign exchange or forex market. We both lived in Asia and experienced diverse cultures. We felt similar pains with the barriers, with financial burdens, and being the only girl in the room. And we both see crypto as an equalizer that could bring more opportunities to all people around the world. We're also both on a mission to help women take control of their finances and grow their wealth just like, if not better, than their male counterparts. So in this episode of Diva on the Blog, Catherine shares her vision for Binance US and how she's looking to include everyone, even you, yes, you, in the groundbreaking crypto and blockchain worlds. My name is Kiana Danielle. I'm the founder of the Invest Diva movement. And with Diva on the Block, we take you to the back streets of this whole blockchain, Bitcoin, and crypto shenanigans to help you get a better understanding of what really is going on and how you can take advantage of it. I publish new content every single day. So make sure you click on that subscribe button and turn the bell notification on so you don't get left behind on the Investiva movement. Also, don't forget to comment, like, and share this with your friends. Both Catherine and I would love to hear from you in the comment section. Make sure to stay until the end of the video for silly faces and behind the scenes. So with that, let's go say hi to Catherine and let's rock the ball. Binance US, it made a bang when it went live uh, about two months ago, and now she is just crushing it, and she has such a huge vision for where Binance US is going to go. But today, I'm not going to start with Binance US, which is cool. We're going to get there. I'm, I also really want to get into who Catherine is. Like some of you might not know, she's only 30 years old, which makes me feel old. And I'm like, oh, I'm 35, FYI. And, <laughs> <laughs> and my, my uh, booking agent, was, uh, my, my assistant was asking me, ask her what is her secret of getting to where she is when she's 30? I was reading about Lee. I'm like, she's pretty tall. Is that the reason why? <laughs> I got me where I am. No, I wish. Uh, I did the math yesterday of figuring out I've been about nine years in a 24 hour industry. So if I do the calculations to pair that with someone that's been in a nine to five job, I should have about 31 years of experience. <laughs> no. So you actually started in Forex, which is again, I mean, it doesn't have the weekends, but it is a 24 right, five. Five. So I, uh, I've only dialed it up since then. <laughs> right. So 
so the funny thing is I actually didn't know about you that didn't know that about you, but I also started in Forex. That was my first ever trade that got me to this whole world. So now you switch to crypto and I'm like, Oh, it's like the same path. I'm not just crypto, just a disclaimer over here, but it was like, me neither. <laughs> you're not. Okay. So yeah. tell us, tell us how this whole thing happened. Where did you get started? Actually, no, you know what? Way back up. Where were you born? And tell us a little background so that we know who is this girl who's now running. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've brought it up before, but it, it cracks me up. I really, I grew up outside of Orlando, Florida and spent a lot of time going to Epcot, um, which is the park inside of Disney World where you get to travel around the world, uh, which is, you know, situated around a lake. And I really experienced a diverse amount of cultures growing up and assumed that that's the life I wanted to live. That, that's the world. That is the world right there. <laughs> easy to go between Canada and Japan in, uh, you know, 15 seconds of walking or... Uh, Using the same currency the whole time? The currency the whole time. No so, exchanges. <laughs> I, uh, I was, you know, it was a, it was a brutal wake-up call when I first moved abroad uh, to study and said, oh, this is, you know... This isn't as easy as I thought it was. Uh, and so I kept challenging myself in new environments, um, really focusing on learning things on the ground. So I, I went and studied at Copenhagen Business School um, to learn a little bit about like the European integration that was occurring uh, at that time. And then Hong Kong um, to learn a little bit more about how uh, Asian companies were marketing and beginning to kind of address uh, an East versus West um, in terms of their clients. Um, and then uh, National University of Singapore to learn more about the political climates of the Asian financial crisis. And kind of every time I'm in a new environment and able to absorb their culture, understand, you know, what really what makes them tick, uh, it just it, it fascinates me. So that's- So what was the brutal thing that you actually faced? What was the awakening? What was the toughest part of being asked in the US the first time? It's the financial burden that you bear for having a, the opportunity to expand your horizons. So by choosing to live outside of my own country, I was taking on uh, financial hits, uh, whether that was my balance sheet being in a foreign denominated currency, whether that was just the cost of having to come back and forth to go home for, uh, you know, see people and things, uh, or, or whether that was the ability for me not to have access to US instruments. Um, you know, working internationally, you're not opening up a 401k. Um, you're opening up a pension in that and that country, and then you can't access that until you're 65 years old. So uh, there's, there's different aspects of that experience where you're actually in a in a lesser position by advancing your uh, your reach. So, so what you're saying is like you might have noticed my energy level went down because you're hitting home with me. I was born and raised in Iran. Then I went to Japan. I lived in Japan for seven years. And then, so this is crazy. This is a different kind of story, but the, fin the financial, and the, like the barriers that we have in this world is that, so my family were all in the US. Mm -hmm. My grandmother, my sister, brother, mom, dad, but they wouldn't let me, the little girl, to come to the US. The US wouldn't give me a visa. And then when I finally, it, it, it's just, and that is the reason why I got into foreign exchange, because when I was in Japan, the 2008 market crash happened. I was like, the only thing I understood about finance was like, oh, U.S. dollar is getting cheaper. Maybe now is the time to buy U.S. dollar. And I actually made my first ever 
ever money trading, writing down the dollar yen. I was, I made $10,000 like, oh, this is so cool. So, I mean, it does go both ways. Like sometimes you actually can make money, but yeah, more often than not, it is a burden. Like I could not see my family. Uh, every time they wanted to co come to see me, there was so much, so many things that you had to consider. You know, cross-border transaction fees, uh, you know, the, the cost of you not being able to participate in different instruments because you're geographically based somewhere. Um, it all, you know, the, I think the biggest and broader point of this is we weren't alone. This happened to me. This happened to you. This happens to everyone. Why right. are we solving this? <laughs> well, so. I feel like because the governments can make money off of it. <laughs> so for example, my husband is now Australian, right? So every time we go to Australia, we have to get a visa. Nobody needs that visa, but that visa, we have to pay an amount to get it. And it really doesn't like, we're American, like now I'm an American. There's like, they know that this, we're going, we're safe, but they still charge you that chain fee. And so we are now actually, because of the transaction, like the volatility between the currencies, but sometimes time, I try to predict the market where the US dollar, where the Australian dollar is gonna become stronger. So that, that is the time like we travel so that we make the most out of our buck. Exactly. And it's that the anecdotal evidence that you have or those kind of awareness of how um, idiosyncratic and sorry, that's a big word, but just saying how like how different or special each region is. Right, what was that word that you used? Idiosyncratic. All right. English is my third language. So yeah, I'm like, for, can you please explain what that means? <laughs> that, that means like particular. So okay. um, the fact that Japan markets are different from Korea markets are different from uh, Singapore, Malaysia. Uh, Pakistan, India, you name it. Each market has its own local uh, et uh, etiquette, um, you know, trading hours, uh, behavioral phenomenon, seasonality, uh, nuances, terms. That is just fascinating to me. And it is the, those have, that just makes so many hurdles for people to get familiar with this unless you dive in, learn it, dig it all up and, and really kind of study how it works. In each it is year. absolutely true. So I, I feel like, like if you want to do business with Japan, that is the main experience that I have. If you don't understand the language and the culture, you're not going to get anywhere. You are not going to get anywhere. And their appreciation of money, they, the way they talk about money is different than the way they are less direct, if you will. They kind of find talking about money a taboo. So, and Americans, we still have that kind of nuance over here as well, but we're here there. Like, it feels like you have to really not, it's not just a job of a translator. You have to get a culturator. Like, there was a cultural <laughs> culturator. Yeah. So I, I'd say I, I, I became a culturator in my, in my earliest days of wanting to, wanting to be able to translate different experiences, different cultures to people so that they could better understand it, they could better invest on it, uh, they could uh, really be more fluid in how we see the world. So uh, what got you, so I, I kind of feel, I understand why you got into foreign exchange, the Forex market, because that is like literally the most international financial theme, but- Until, until crypto. <laughs> until crypto, but I mean, first of all, why, uh, why finance? Why did you choose finance? Oh yeah, um, you know, probably comes down to a really simple fact. I knew my life was going to be an expensive one. Um, I really like to study my brain. I really like to uh, have a state of mental stability, and and that's expensive. It's a premium in life to 
be able to pay for a therapist. So I, uh, I knew I'd have to have a job that would pay for that down the road. Uh, I also knew how important education was to me. And so I wanted to prepare, um, you know, for future families that I would be able to have for them to have the best education. But you did used to actually, uh, our producer d dug up some of your early articles you wrote when you were in college. Did you ever oh, think no. of, what was <laughs> did you ever think of becoming a journalist? I, well, that was the whole point of current events led me to- Oh, the I, Daily Tar Heel. That's where yeah. you wrote articles for. <laughs> I, I started out as a, I did the cop blotter in college. So that's, that was your first job at the, at the, college newspaper. You had to go and write up all the police reports and then write about the flavor of the local town. And, and then in that job, I realized that the, the ad team was getting paid to do their job and I was not getting paid. And I said, well, I'd like to get paid for my work that I'm doing. So I went and sold advertisements at the Daily Tar Heel. Um, and so that was my, my side job. And in that, I learned probably more than I did in classrooms. Good for you uh, for standing up for yourself and asking for, for money. <laughs> Good. Right. Well, not only money, it was a, a you know a compensation around bringing right. small businesses into college students and, and raising awareness for them. So that idea of this this job gave me connections and autonomy. And then with that money I could do things that I always wanted to do. Um, and so that really freed up my my kind of cycle of I don't have to live in a linear path that I'm expected to go down. I can change my course any way I choose. Uh, and so that's really what got me into finance was it will give me an opportunity to understand how things work in a way that I can make choices on my own um, when I need to. Uh, and I know that you are the founder of Women and Money. And yeah. it kind of looks like that, 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 that is a path that you should like having the guts to go and say, Hey, like I want this for a lot of women. That is a difficult choice because you're like, Oh, I've given this opportunity. Maybe I should just work for free and not even like to ask about money because I'm not supposed to. And yeah. that is literally the reason why I started Investiva as well, because I'm like, Oh, this is so, and I used to be one of them too. I didn't have the courage, if you will. Uh, to do that. So tell me a little bit about Women and Money and what your vision is. Yeah, so we, we uh, kind of, after about five years on Wall Street, uh, which was just, you know, enlightening on all aspects of uh, just the pace to which uh, these larger organizations and the, you know, the, the largest banks in the world actually run, um, you know, I, I, I think that experience was invaluable for how I'm able to then chart how I think the rest of the world and especially in crypto should be rolling out. But one of the things when I moved to San Francisco was uh, the new, the nuances around, uh, you know, different ways for investments that women especially weren't fully understanding and therefore not taking full advantage of. And so the ideas around um, like stock shares or um, 401ks or, or in different, um, different investment mechanisms that uh, a lot of our colleagues within a bank, I mean, this is when I was at Silicon Valley Bank actually, um, we're confused around. So we started it in our living room uh, doing, you know, a cheese board and a bottle of wine on Friday nights. And we would go through all of our financial problems with just a group of six women from Facebook, Stripe, EA, Games, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, you name it. I mean, great roles, great careers, and just still wanted to get a firm handle on their finances. Um, and so that's really what we started. It was a once a month uh, program. And then when crypto came around, uh, we started offering kind of a let's learn about crypto. And funny enough, two of us left Silicon Valley 
bank and um, splintered off. I went into Ripple and, and kind of went down that path. And she started out with um, a VC fund. So um, it's just been amazing that us becoming more aware of our finances has let us kind of take on more risk in our careers because we're more aware of what, um, you know, what we're working with and how we can actually advance ourselves and increase our own personal capital. So it was something more to become less afraid of what's out there and therefore be able to take on more. I, I totally appreciate that. And I'm like, I'm super proud that women now are actually understanding the need of this because as I said, when I, when I came to the US, I thought, and I am five years older than you, so five years, like, it, it actually does make a difference. I'm not joking. When I went to Wall Street, and I know it was the same for you too, you were probably like the only woman in the, in the room, right? Yeah, so it's still that way. Back five years before that, it was still the same way. But you know what's very, very crazy is that when I was in Iran, it actually wasn't this way. And it's so crazy that Americans have this view of Iranian women. Well, we are suppressed by the government now, but I never thought of any of these things. Engineering, which is the field that I studied. I, I studied electrical engineering. In Iran, every girl just goes and studies electrical engineering. They don't even think about it. Okay. Like, they don't, they, it does not have a boy-girl label on it. Yeah. It wasn't until when I went to Japan, and it was the Western world I've, I had always dreamt of, thinking this is the freedom. Well, there are a lot of freedoms about all these countries that I don't have in Iran. But the label with the boy and girl label, that was new to me. Mm -hmm. And that is when I was like, this does not have to be this way. Like in Iran, women are in charge. Like my mom knows as much as my dad. She knows more than my dad was happening. Oh yeah. She's like, oh, you did this wrong. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? My dad's like, oh, sorry. So <laughs> it's like, it's the reverse. And so because I had that experience firsthand that women are actually good at it, but yeah. it looks like that the society is labeling and that fear that, oh, oh, maybe I should stay away from finance is, is just saying, keeping them away. So yeah. I totally appreciate it, it, the fact. It starts, it starts socially beyond that. And I, I feel like it's changing in the current kind of, uh, my, my cousins are like 10 years old or so. And I feel like there's a sense of empowerment that they actually are, are getting, which I'm excited to continue to welcome and, and the women in my family are you know leading in businesses and so that's kind of the model that they get to see now um, but you know when I was growing up I played golf because that was a way for me to bond with right my I saw that what and is I, go what? <laughs> that's so I, weird too I didn't, I didn't I didn't know that there wouldn't be a women's golf team when I went to high school and so I had to try out for the boys and in order to try out for the boys I had to play from the men's tees and so that was just what I thought was normal. If you wanted to play in a man's game, you had to play from their standpoint and be just as good as they were. Um, and so I think there was a lot of elements of that uh, that taught me that if this is how the world's going to play, then I'm going to play from the men's tees. Uh, and so I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid to to go back uh, and and play for, play from there. Uh, and it's it kind of I think it's kind of even the playing field, even if it's taking taking back or dividing that in a different way. I just think that there's an equalizer, and if we, if we, if we greet it at that, then we are going to be having to achieve just you know that far more. So right now, and I'm gonna get into crypto because, and I totally want to learn about your role in Ripple and XRP, and I totally want to learn about Binance in a second. 
But do you still, like when you're, when you're in your roles right now in the financial world, do you try to see everything from a man's point of view or are you trying to like bring your feminine aspects to it? Yeah, well, I definitely think I can't change who I am and uh, I've, I've been, been all parts of who I am. I see things through the eyes of uh, three people, really. I see it as my, my nine-year-old self. I see it as my current age self. I see it as a current age person of mine, like a male peer. And then I see it as my grandmother. And I kind of make sure that anything we do, how does it register? How does it make sense? Are we growing education components that would make my nine-year-old self want to be me one day? Am I growing current aptitude to allow for someone my age, both male and female, or you know, the gender of their choice to be able to expand their own personal capital and achieve their dreams within the next 10 years? And am I making sure that my grandparents are going to be proud of the world that we are going to be evolving? Oh my God, so, this is such an about- amazing superpower that you have. Yeah. <laughs> Might be my secret. Uh-oh, I've let it no, out. Oh, yeah, you revealed it. Now I'm going to try and let oh, let me see, because right now I don't even know who I am. I'm going to have to think about those components in order to make sure. Actually, wait, do you studied at, uh, at Copenhagen in Singapore, but uh, Hong Kong, you said? Yeah, Chinese. Wait, so I I was reading that Koreans have this ability of like really putting themselves like it's a must. If you can't put yourself in a different person's shoes, like you don't know anything. I was just reading that article the other day and I'm like, well, I should learn a thing or two. about. But did you learn it abroad or was it something that you already had within you? No, I I think it's. And maybe it's a family value of mine, but you've got a lot. Maybe you're part Korean. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't look like it, but. (laughs) You've got to walk a mile in someone else's shoes before you make a decision about, you know, where we're going to go with things. So I think it, you know, whether it's it's just me building for something larger than uh, what my own impact or what my own value would be getting out of it, I I certainly don't want uh, what we're building at Binance US to be only as valuable as the input I you know, or the efforts I put into it. I want this to be, uh, we're here for the long haul. I, you know, we're in the area or, or time to actually have an impact on a financial societal change. Uh, and I, I certainly want that to address and welcome as many as possible because it's freed up, you know, given me so, so many opportunities, it can do the same for someone else. Until so I make, tell I us, have- tell us about Binance US because actually, so Binance is the second crypto exchange that I worked with. I, I started trading with. Uh, well, one of the main reasons why is like I went to Kraken and it wasn't. It was when everybody was trying to trade crypto and they kind of cra- crashed. I'm like, ah, I'm going to Binance. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Every single exchange was almost like uh, booked booked out. Uh, it was crazy. Out summer of 2017 and you'd be on a waiting list or uh, you know you'd get told to just check your emails and you know, I have a short attention span and I needed I needed to know I could have access. You're a millennial. <laughs> are honest. you or a generation Z? What are oh, you? No, I'm a millennial. Millennial, I, all right. <laughs> I'll own it. Um, but it's uh, I mean beyond that I just naturally have a short attention span so one that you're going to make me wait and sit on the sidelines while I'm watching um, you know, activity take place and, and people be able to uh, advance where they were seeing a trend. I mean, the rule we learn in FX is trend is your friend. Well, there was a clear trend in 2017. <laughs> and so, you know, you and wanted, if you didn't, didn't write on it, you will be left out. You left out, right. And, uh, and that's what happened to a lot of people. And that's why I actually chose Binance at the time, 
the question I wanted to ask you, all right, so Binance US. So mm -hmm. I, I, already, I still have my Binance account. I still have a bunch of stuff on it. What happens to my account with the launch of Binance US? Is it now Binance US? Because I'm looking at it right now. It just says binance.com forward slash en, which is English. Yeah. So, so we, we've launched separate to anything that's happening on .com. Binance US just became an offering in September 24th, 2019. Uh, for US folks, we've got 37 states on board right now to be able to access the same technology that you had on Binance.com, but within a compliant manner for the United States. So understanding that we're building out this platform with a US-minded user uh, focused on the KYC that's required for operating well in the United States, being able to roll out features that are gonna be native to the United States regulation, uh, as well as think about the things that burden you versus burden other global citizens. So uh, US taxes, for instance. You right. know, so that's a little bit more friendly. Um, kind of forward thinking and focused really on an American everyday user. So, so I'm assuming how tough the regulation challenge is. So how have you been going about it? And um, you, you still have 100 cryptos on Binance US as well, right? We only have about 25 coins listed right now and about 40 trading pairs total. So we have dollar on ramps as well as BTC and USDT. Um, and that's just in the mechanism of, again, kind of how I think about folks is those that do not have crypto yet will want to have a, a way of putting their own dollars onto an exchange. And yeah, because that was a big challenge with Binance because I first had to go to Coinbase, get Bitcoin, move it to Binance and then start trading. So that was a hassle. Yeah, so that, you, that's not a that's not a smooth way of life. It's not, yeah. So we're, we we've uh, we've enhanced that experience for you. Um, that's so amazing. Now you have uh, an all dollar on ramp for twenty five coins, um, with the ability to also have uh, trading pairs in BTC, so you can move quickly between Bitcoin and some of your pairs, um, as well as we've rolled out um, BUSD, which is a stable coin. Um, so you have the ability to go into a stable coin, if not USDT, BUSD, uh, and then we'll be, you know, continuing to advance our listings so that people have uh, this really diverse selection to choose from. And, and that's, again, something that, uh, you know, finance and myself both kind of still align on, and then that's giving people the freedom of choice. Uh, letting Does this still also have Binance coin, BNB? It doesn't BNB, yeah. We okay, cool. USD BNB. Um, and, and how can I transfer? Like, would you recommend people who already have accounts with the Binance.com? Should we transfer our trades to the Binance US? How does it work? Like, are you guys connected? Because you said it's a standalone product now. Yeah, so we're an independent company. So it would be the same experience as transferring your funds from any other exchange. Uh, we have really easy deposit, um, you know, pages that let you deposit funds and provides your wallet address that you would copy and send um, your funds over from any other exchange or um, even like your Bitcoin at Cash App or Lolly or Earn.com um, and any of those kind of pools where you might be storing crypto, you can deposit those directly onto Binance US um, and then begin trading in the experience of Binance US. And how are the fees different than let's say Bitfinex or Coinbase? Yes. So the fees were another burden that I faced. And that was, you know, if my life had been easy, this product would have looked different. But uh, I certainly, fees were a burden of mine. And so we've lowered the fees on all retail clients to be 10 basis points or 0.1% uh, 
of your trading notional. So that sounds great. I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting you, yeah. but now my Forex hat is coming up because I actually work at a Forex broker on Wall Street. Oh. And so first of all, so, so the fees are how you're going to survive. If you cut down on the fees, what's going to happen? Like, how are you going to make money? If you're looking at a historical background, that's how people have survived. But if you're looking towards the future and saying that there's different revenue streams, then it's not a worry of mine. I see, you know, trade compression being, or trade fee compression being something that we will face inevitably. Um, if we can welcome the future, then we can move on uh, from- I mean, so for example, I mean, Robinhood with the stocks, they, they don't have any fees. And I immediately closed all my accounts with other brokers and I moved everything to Robinhood because of that. So right. I can, uh, of course people will value it, mm -hmm. but would you mind sharing what your revenue strategy is for Binance? I wish I could, but not yet. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Oh, I was like, I was getting sneaky right over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there are a couple of ways that um, currently you can offer, um, you know, advanced products for folks that will come with costs, but also benefit um, in the end of just, you know, uh, holding of the supplier or the deposits. So, if so you think question that, for you, I, I have, I know I have a lot of questions and I'm interrupting you, uh, but because again, coming from a Forex background, I'm going to ask you um, a little bit of a bold question. So with Forex workers, one of the main ways they made money was if the trader, if the retail trader lost money, they would take the other side of their trade and that money would be theirs, right? So, um, so <laughs> very different, uh, very different model. So the trades on Binance US, it will be a user against another user. Um, there's not a, you know, a prop shop that you used to have uh, in banks before. So you won't be market making. Yeah, we're not going to be taking positions on the other sides of our clients on this front. Um, it, it is a user driven uh, exchange and we are the venue to which a buyer and a seller can meet. So that is uh, really a different experience than you would have at FX, where someone would be encouraging or axed to trade on a different, uh, you know, side of a position, and then the other team would be uh, taking advantage of that. Uh, no, there's a there's a couple of elements in FX that are very different than crypto on exchanges. Partially, one, all of FX is OTC, um, or majority of it is, um, and then the so the spreads to which the uh, client and the uh, provider would be having are, are variable and up to discretionary on, on trades and liquidity, um, whereas ours are kind of flat rate, um, you know, 10 basis points. And if you hold BNB, then you get a 25% discount on those trading fees. So we make it very transparent into understanding what fees we are taking and what fees would be happening there, but you'll be matching with uh, another user, a buyer or a seller. So what are the differences in terms, so you're focusing mainly on trading short term, whereas Coinbase is more of like store of value, like go and buy your stuff and then put it on a wallet? Really depends. I mean, we offer buy, say, sell, hold right now focused on a spot market. That's because we're about two months old and getting licenses to do futures and additional products is down the road. Um, but getting our, our spot offering up is, you know, an important one to be able to increase the order book um, depth on all these markets that we're rolling out. That's an important first step for healthy markets. So I think one of the sweet spots of Binance and Binance US has been that we offer more than just a, a simple way to, to access the currency, but we also offer kind of that window into seeing the, the market itself, letting you, you know, post limits, 
um, or post orders as well. So the U.S. has been super tough on advertising anything about crypto. So I, ha I wrote this book, Cryptocurrency Investing for Dummies. Cool. Facebook, Google, yeah. nobody lets me advertise it. So I'm like, oh, whatever. So we haven't been, so have you been able, have you been really going after advertising on US-based platforms? Not as much. Um, I mean, I think there's some component to it in terms of, did we just advertise your book right now? <laughs> being on this being on this show but i know no it's my own show people already know about us so. <laughs> or, you know, to some element sure this is uh this is me letting people know what finance us is doing but uh, you know not i'm not at the point right now you, you won't see a bus with our name on it just yet um so right we're still, we're so it's basically being word of mouth and i actually saw that you're also trying to um facilitate twitter a lot with yeah so i uh Prior to crypto, I was a, a quite active tweeter, but on, you know, not related to anything crypto uh, before. So uh, I've been able to kind of re, uh, reignite that old uh, communicator on social media to be able to be accessible to our users. So uh, my Twitter DMs are open if people have questions on the platform, if they want to know a little bit more about anything, um, they can ping me. Uh, it's, you know, just a matter of courtesy. Uh, that they realize I'm trying to build something for them as well. Yeah, so. please don't. I mean, I do have your uh, handle, Twitter handle up okay. on your head right now, but please don't go and like bombard. <laughs> yeah, but just realize you're keeping me from, uh, you know, doing things. Right. And then, you, I mean, it's, it's a sad reality, but once you have your DMs open, sometimes you get some unwelcome DMs as well, which I'm sure being a woman, you've been familiar with. Well, um, you know, if, if don't you, do that, you guys are watching. Don't do it. Not cool. Wall Street, the men's golf team, and and life itself. You know how to handle yourself. <laughs> it's not a nothing I haven't seen before. So, I uh, you know would think the world can be a little bit better than it has been, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll let them try. Uh, what? Why are you so excited about crypto? Yeah, for me, it's a huge equalizer. Um, I mean, we sit here, you and I both across here, becoming able to write books about cryptocurrency, able to um, build whole teams and, and uh, infrastructure around this industry. And we are at the same playing field as anyone else. Um, you know, the fact that this technology, true cryptography and mathematics have been around for quite some time, uh, but the, the technology of Bitcoin itself is only 10 years old puts us at a playing field that says we've all been present and in the same amount of time to learn and be able to engage. So um, there has been kind of that, that equalizer that lets people say, if you're after it and you want to learn more and, you know, execute on this, the, the sky's the limit for you. It doesn't have to be a, a bias that we've seen before. Um, and so that's really something that excites me. The, also the great idea is that this technology and our platform and other platforms similar lets you and I live that global life that we had always wanted to and not feel that pressure of financial burden. You, We can have our accounts. We can uh, access them on the weekends. I can pay bills from my account uh, on a Saturday, not have to, you know, quit my job early to go to the bank at 4 p.m. before it shuts down. Um, you know, all of those things that you, you forget and calculate in have actually held us back um, in terms of what we can achieve. So putting crypto in your pocket, being able to uh, have your funds and your, your wealth mechanism really in the palm of your hand uh, is a huge change for 
how I see futures going forward. Um, and that to me would unlock a lot of freedom for uh, folks that have felt held behind or burdened or required to learn finance in order to pay for their lifestyle. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. And again, I, I see, I foresee the government's really pushing back on this because, because again, going back to my background, Iran is under a lot of sanctions from the U.S. where, well, the government is not great, but the people are um, taking the hit, but I can still send them Bitcoin or crypto. Um, so I'm wondering how this will pan out, like with the exchanges like yourself, will they be available in countries like Iran or, I mean, I, I know I'm getting into a little bit of a for, forbidden category, but it is our reality that like my connection with my mom and dad can be cut off if the Iranian government decides to shut down the internet. So, and they did it like two weeks ago. Like I didn't talk to my parents for a week. Yeah. Um, but so I'm wondering which government's playing this role, how, how would Binance fit into that? Yeah, the, the easy answer for that for, for my side is different than the actual answer I'd provide larger. I'm focused solely on the United States. So um, you won't see too much mission creep from me um, right now. I've got uh, more states that I need to be rolling out to and really servicing the United States as best I can. Um, but what I'm able to partner with is a much larger global organization, Binance Global. So they are entering different markets that they do see this need as a fit for. Um, you've got Uganda, Singapore, Jersey, um, Binance Global, um, the DEX. They've got um, you know a real reach into making sure that um, areas from all over can be able to access uh, crypto. Um, and so I think that's part of our, our plan and goal is, is really being able to serve a larger audience and make sure that the the needs that we do need in order to have this make sense are are seen fit. So the United States is my sole focus, um, and I, I'm really you know committed to that to make sure that the experience for my users is on par with what the global uh, team will be experiencing. So before I let you go, I do have this question about United States because. The, like the states in the U.S. are so different. Like people in the middle of America, they might not even want to be a part of something new. So how do you handle that? Like you go like, <laughs> they do. But but I had a I had a great conversation. I think I've brought this up a couple times just because it was so illuminating. Was uh, someone in Missouri was saying it was really hard because of the ag um, agricultural businesses there for people to realize that you could create value that didn't come from soil. So you think about farmers and, and where their wealth and careers have all been spent was you know, in the land. Um, and to have something that's digital is more foreign than- They can't someone, touch it. It's like- Making the step from an ATM to crypto and, and that already being advanced uh, or, or understanding that how an e-commerce business would be valuable. But, but it was really illuminating that I was like, farmers are having a tough time connecting. And I'm, that's a super generalization. So one farmer was having a hard time uh, you know, understanding that from the land, that's one way to earn value, but you could also earn it from a digital asset. Uh, so we really want to cater our, our understanding to these diverse communities. As you said, within the United States, it's extremely different, um, not just country to country to country, which is also very different. North, South, East, West, you name it. There's a personality, there's a culture, there's an understanding around money, around digital money. Uh, and we really want to be able to serve each community. So um, I've got my work cut out for me in terms of um, being able to address and include everyone uh, in the United States uh, as we see 
that we can you know, welcome them into our doors at Binance US, teach them, lower the intimidation levels, lower the barriers to entry, um, and really welcome this new, um, new opportunity for people to access, manage, and grow their own capital. That is super awesome. I really, really, really wish you the best of luck with this because I really want to see, I can see and I can sense and feel the energy that you bring into this. And I- You need to learn about FX another time because I had- Oh yeah, I have so, we didn't even get to Ripple. Like, I'm like, I have so many questions. When am I going to ask them? (laughs) You can call me on a Friday night. We can have a- (laughs) No, but it has been awesome. And I think you're- job has been cut out for you and I really really I'm here I'm going to be your biggest fan and um, hopefully in a year from here we'll we'll see like Binance US is all over the place everybody's using it everybody knows about crypto and this kind of shame and fear and like oh my god what is this This is new the resistance like go on take your crown let's go (laughs) (laughs) right Exactly. Again, thank you, Catherine, so much for joining us on Diva on the Block. Our mission here really is to bring crypto to everyday people who don't know what's happening. And you saw now, Catherine, it's just this girl from Florida who just got into it. And look where she is today. She's really on her way to change the world. I really, really hope you enjoyed the show. Do tell us what you thought about it. Uh, if you have any comments, write it down in the comments. I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm definitely gonna answer Catherine. I'm gonna tag and like, hey, answer this person if you have any questions. I'll, there. I'll read them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the video, share it with your friends. Let's spread the world word. And of course, subscribe to my channel as well. Thanks again, Catherine, for joining us. And I'll see you guys again in the next episode of Diva on the Block. I asked them for a silly face. So we can use it. (laughs) Do you have a silly face? (laughs) I don't know, is that the right one? That is like the most creative one. Normally people just stick their tongue out. That was super cool. (laughs) I do have another question. I really wanted to ask this. Because my daughter is super tall. And I'm really, really tiny. Sorry? How how tall and how old is she? She's one and a half year old, but she's half my size. Sorry. She's Sorry, half I... size. She wears three-year-old kids. So is she like 24 inches? No, tall? she's like literally up my hip. I'm, I'm tiny and she's super, she takes after my husband. So I'm wondering, he, he's like 6'3". Okay. And I'm like 5'3". Yeah. <laughs> That's how my parents are. My dad's 6'6", my mom's 5'6". Oh, okay. So but my, my question is, how is life being a tall girl? <laughs> Uh, it's a late blooming effort, but it pays off in spades. But like your first 30 years are going to be real awkward. Then afterwards, you're like, I am so glad I'm tall. <laughs>